this is Vibrant Visionaries with Heidi Bennett, and I have, well, someone I've admired for a long time on the podcast. We had such a fun conversation. <laughs> he tells great stories, and who am I talking about? The legendary creature designer and stop-motion filmmaker, Phil Tippett. Phil Tippett has a new film out. It's been years in the making, about 30 years actually. It combines a lot of super interesting stop motion animation, some puppetry, a few actors sprinkled throughout, notably director Alex Cox. This film is dark it's beautiful. It's also funny, but <laughs> it goes into some pretty gnarly places, I will not kid you. I'll make sure to share in the show notes where you can stay up to date on what Phil is up to and where you can watch Mad God. I loved being able to see it as part of Fantastic Fest. It's incredibly innovative and so immersive. I just loved it. So this interview starts out with a little technical back and forth where I'm making sure I can see Phil and make eye contact with him. So that's how things kick off in the conversation. And then uh, we wrapped up kind of quickly because, you know, we were on that time crunch, that junket crunch. So um, yeah, thank you, Phil, so much for being on the podcast. I loved it. Everyone uh, listening, if you're new, you can hear tons of conversations with super creative people like Phil Tippett at VibrantVisionaries.com. You might be interested in hearing several episodes I have with my friend Skinner, an artist who also goes to some pretty dark and hilarious and absurdist places as well. All right, let's get into that conversation with Phil Tippett. Hi, Phil. Hi. Hi, I've got, let's see, I see both of us up in the top. You know what? Um, there he is. The editor on Mad God did this little research project. He was just uh, looking through some history books and happened to be reading about Darwin. Uh, he pulled out a bunch of pictures, and I'm the spitting image of, of Darwin. I mean, it's I, I could play Darwin in a movie. And... Um, yeah. So, and then he went back and did some more research and did picture, uh, found pictures of Darwin when he was young, and it looks remarkably like me when I was young. So, <laughs> anyway, that's better than looking like a lot of things. Absolutely, for sure. Well, thank you for being on my podcast today. It's called Vibrant Visionaries, and I'm in your area. I'm over in Oakland. Oh, cool. Yeah, and. Um, so I had a couple of questions. Speaking of your editor, when did he come onto the project? Well, Ken Rogerson works at my studio. Okay. And so we worked together. What well, he used to work for Matt World, Craig Barron's company. Okay. It was an offshoot from ILM, and Craig went set up his own company over in Marin doing matte paintings. And so Ken worked there for a while, and that studio went belly up, and I got him. And so we've been working on day job stuff, er earning money. And then when Mad God rebooted, Ken was not there. Mike Cavanaugh was the editor. But at that time, the, the film was in such a rough state, it was pretty much just assembly, uh, an assembly. But Mike cut a couple of scenes, took them to completion, like the operating room scene and stuff like that and then when ken came on 
we work very closely. There's a significant portion of Mad God that really didn't require any editing. I kind of handled that with what I shot with stop motion. You know, I, I attempt to get everything on the first take and move on. And this is what we always did. That's what Woody Harryhausen did. And it's not like today where some micromanager from some stupid studio will want to do 500 iterations of the same shot. It was just like, no, let's get on with it. Is the shot in a movie? Does it work? Shut up. You know, and experienced filmmakers know that, you know, and and so they, they appreciate it. I mean, the way that Verhoeven uh, characterized our relationship in, say, like Starship Troopers was that if he was the conductor of a symphony orchestra and I was the first violin and it was a violin concerto, the conductor would make sure that he did everything within his power to back up the first violinist. And that's what I got before I, I started getting assholes that were, you know, incredibly rude and remarkably stupid that were, you know, on the studio side. So it was, uh, I, I got to grow up in, a, in an area where there were very few people involved, really. I think, for instance, well, you know, working with Verhoeven, he always worked with a very insular team, very small. And that's generally what you find in editorial. The first people I would want to, you know, make friends with are the, are the editors because our lives are so intertwined. You know, the animation stuff was, pro was really clear cut than live action, just selecting the right takes. But the very end, which is kind of this creation of the universe scene, I just shot and shot and shot for like two years, you know? And I had no, I, I had a basic arc that was kind of evolutionary, you know, because you always need some coat hanger to ideas to hang things on but how i got there i had no idea and so it was just a process of working it out and i just shot tons and tons and tons of it was it was identical to what kubrick did in 2001 very early on he rented a warehouse space and he would go in with his art department scientists and you know work out a lot of the liquid dispersion stuff that they used and so Ken had all that stuff to make sense. That was a huge, huge, huge editorial job. Took forever. You know, a lot of, I had a lot of chemical recipes and, and um, a lot of stuff with dump tanks and time lapse. And so he, he put all that stuff together. He came up with, there's a kind of explosion of uh, beginning of the universe. And he figured out a, a way of, practically getting that as a as a you know high-speed element so you know he's, a, he's got a great engineering mind he made the portal that opens and 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 tons of stuff that engineering mind applied to an editor as aesthetic you know he's a really good editor and um yeah i was very lucky to have ken that part was really beautiful to look at and loved being able to see it on a, well, big screen as in my TV screen, but my TV screen's pretty big. <laughs> it's better than an iPhone. You know, yeah, that's for sure. For sure. But it, it, it was designed for big, big picture, good sound. Yeah. Yeah. And so when Ken came on, he would pretty much do assemblies of the stop motion stuff. But then when we got into some of the live action, we did multiple takes and we could pretty much choose the takes 
Well, we, we would review all of them. Like when we were shooting Alex, I came up with this costume and he has these long fingernails. Mm-hmm. So we dressed them, just dressed them up. Most of his shots were against the green screen. And uh, we just start, you know, start with simple directions. You know, he moves from left to right. He's staring in the lens. Uh, we're going to push into his face, blah, 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 blah. And so we would just go through, you know, all those machinations with Alex. And um, uh, eventually, yeah, maybe it took like less than a half a dozen shots, but it came together very quickly where he found the character. He just needed a little bit of time to get into it. And so once he found it, you know, I could see it immediately. It was the fingernails that were the character. And so he kind of, in his posing and choreography, kind of mimicked Nosferatu, you know? For sure. I love that. Those are such a simple but super effective, interesting part of his costume. Those super long nails on the fingers and then also on the toes and those flip-flops. Yeah, you know what? I mean, I I always look at this more like a carnival sideshow. There's nothing realistic about it. And I, I really embrace the artificiality of it and kind of the phoniness of 50s horror movies and Grand Gunal and the history of puppets is really fascinating because historically, I mean, puppets have been around practically since recorded history. Uh, and many of the great art, art movements, particularly surrealism, were the result of a number of things. Well, like Dada. World War One. What came out of World War One was Dada, which embraced the absurdity of uh, World War One, and that's kind of what I'm doing. I uh, am very aware of what's available, the information we get from the news. So that was a big, you know, contributing factor to it because our world is a lot stranger than mad God is. And so it's not much of a, an extrapolation to get the zeitgeist of what's going on around the gravitational field and, and trying to figure out ways of navigating that. Yeah, I feel like I'm cringing, I'm laughing, I'm enjoying the interesting lighting and all the different scale. And so I'm enjoying like the artistry of your film, but also it is helping me process like living in life right now as well, too. So now that it's complete, is there something like different or surprising or interesting to you, you know, looking back on it? Well, you know, uh, while you were speaking, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about this one. But when I was probably like maybe five or six years old, I was walking in downtown street, must have been San Francisco with my mom. And there was a uh, theater that was doing a, uh, they were rebooting the 1933 King Kong. And uh, in it, there was a one sheet that had a monster that they didn't quite want to show. And uh, one sheet in big letters, and it was like carnival-like. It says thrills, chills, and laughs. And I was like, I never forgot that. <laughs> yeah, uh, and that has, uh, of course, some legendary um, stop motion in it as well, right? No. No? You're thinking King Kong. Oh, what did you say? I thought you said King Kong. No. 
What did you say? Well, no, you weren't listening. And I, I never listened to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll all, uh, it'll be all revealed when I listen back to our conversation exactly. on the recording. <laughs> no, you can make anything up you want to say. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, my other question was about unexpected influences, and you sort of answered that just right there. Yeah, all all of the influences were unexpected for me. So, <laughs> thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. Sure, no problem. All right, cheers. Bye. Bye. All right, that wraps up another episode of Vibrant Visionaries. Thank you so much for listening. It's been so fun being able to cover Fantastic Fest. I have more Fantastic Fest interviews coming up and all sorts of other interesting indie filmmakers and creatives. So please stay tuned and subscribe to Vibrant Visionaries. And ciao for now!